Well, welcome to Home Page Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect, and I write a lot about things that are getting made. I also teach at the University of Hartford's Architecture School. And at this very exact moment, I am in the studio for perhaps the this particular studio for perhaps the last time, but maybe not, with the greatest eyeglass wearing person I, in in the studio uh, what well, you wear eyeglasses so not not right now though oh at the moment at the moment in, in the present moment in the present moment the greatest eyeglass wearing human being in the oh, studio I, I'm, I'm going to lower and lower levels eventually you're going to be saying uh, the greatest recycler of oxygen to carbon dioxide oh in the room well no that would mean that the person in the room is not so good at that well okay i i'm wrong i went to the i went to something we have in common <laughs> I should move to something else. Uh, As you can guess, Homepage Radio uh, is a live radio program that goes on once a month, the fourth Thursday of every month. And its topic is pretty interesting, which is houses and homes and places to live. It's not about... It's not about trends, and it's not about DIY things. It's not about the cool and groovy money that's to be made in the in the crazy booms or, or avoiding that in the bus. It's really about the human capacity to create a place for themselves and how that actually plays out in a place like uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, or even Greenwich, Connecticut, or New Haven, or Long Island. Basically, the fact that we are in a very strange place. And... Rod, I just visited your house to, to, to grab you, and I think where you live is a, is a lovely part of the world. And um, I agree. And, I, I'm quite fond of where I live. And I think it's, it's true that um, we talked about this last month, that because of the strange microclimate, you are suddenly uh, worth more money because your home is worth more money because of this weird economy that we're in. I, I, did, you, did you ever expect that? Because I've never expected that. Um, no, but I haven't really given it much thought. No. Because from my perspective, the home or the house is a place to live. Yep. And I never saw it as a, as a means of investment. Yeah. Um, I figured it was better than renting. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was this idea that as long as you kept up the mortgage payments, you would be able to stay where you were. You yep. wouldn't you wouldn't suffer the the whims of a landlord who might decide that they want to repurpose the property or or raise the rent or anything like that. So, it to me it represented stability. It represents stability and the fact that it's worth more than we paid for it right now is right now. fine. But the thing is, the future is yet to happen, and I am optimistic that that may be the last place I live in prior to. Um, shuffling off the mortal, the mortal coil and all that stuff. There you but, are. But you never know. Um, but yeah, it, it's just weird. And of course, uh, kind of beside the point, I guess, because really it, our relationship is living in a place and feeling safe and secure to the extent that we can. And right. and uh, and the economics of it, in many cases, means nothing to uh, to some of us, and 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 everything to others. You know, the house flippers and that sort of thing. And and. This show, this episode of Homepage Radio, is really about everyone, not just about the people that we're all kind of 
being gobsmacked with the people that are selling their home for 20 or 30 or 40 percent more than they thought it was worth and or trying desperately the poor people that are trying desperately to buy a place in, in a in a market where the home they thought they could afford they couldn't this is a strange little micro economy many people say it's because of covid but it's also a micro geography in other words we're always all of us here that are listening live to pkn via the airwaves versus uh, linking in on, on uh, WPKN.org by, by streaming from wherever you're streaming, we around here are really in a place of extreme housing cost because there's so many of us here. And even though New York has had troubles, New York is still this enormous magnet of humanity. That pressurization means many people have to live close to it and to the things that feed off of it. And so it's it's a very strange time. And in this boom, we're also being asked um, as a country to think about trillions, with a T, trillions of dollars. Not really, I don't really understand that a trillion dollars is 1,000 times as much as a billion. I mean, and in fact, the micro realities of each of us of paying our mortgage or paying our rent or even just paying... Uh, the, for the painting of a door, anything that we have to do with our homes are literally dollars and cents versus the unending waves of boom and bust that goes through our economy. And in that, there are people that simply could not live or work here without a special way, a different way, a targeted way to afford this very expensive place. And to show you how expensive it is in terms of living, realize that these programs have to uh, take into account average incomes of families. And for a, the smallest family, the average income around this part of the world is around $50,000 and if a year. And if you end up having, say, three or four children, which is a lot now, but it goes to really over $100,000 a year. And that's determined to be quote unquote, lower income. It isn't, it isn't poverty, but it, it means that you can't, without some special connection, afford to live in the place where you work, in all likelihood where you work. Well, that's because, because it's an essential. Shelter or where we live is, is one of the big three, food, shelter, and clothing. And it's, it's addressed by special things so that Many people can live in a place that is extremely expensive to live in that normally wouldn't live here if it was just, you know, uh, a free market economy and, and, and drop dead. Well, those huge efforts in the mid-century, these giant buildings that we see were warehousing people, were huge failures. The things that are being built now are smaller. They're more broken down. They think about individual entries. They actually create or support neighborhoods. So house, houses right now, houses right now are being made and rehabbed. I'm part of it as an architect, but many other people are as well, with the idea that everyone has to have a home. So everyone really should actually have their home. So on homepage radio, we're going to show you some, we're going to interview some people or talk to some people that have actually walked the talk of quote unquote housing. And they actually are making places right now that are not part of the crazy market that you've heard about with building booms and, and housing 
uh, construction overruns and, and impossibilities, or the busts where people go broke and, and life is horrible. These are the people that have worked for decades, literally all three of them have worked for decades in booms and busts and a variety of different economic conditions, both in Connecticut and New York, um, to create places for people that normally wouldn't have housing. And the first person we have coming up is Rose Noonan, who has done this with a small group for over 40 years. And she works on both the for-profit and the not-for-profit worlds and has done work that has housed really, really thousands and thousands of people. So with that, Homepage Radio is going to have a show called Home for Everyone. And when we return, we will talk to Rose Noonan. Welcome back to Homepage Radio. In live radio, things happen, and and you were able to enjoy a little bit extra music uh, simply because we had to make a connection, and we did. And we made a connection with a person that has worked for over 40 years to create places to live that really buck the system of the for-profit world of housing that we're inundated with right now in this little boom that we have, where there's so much added value really i think because of covid and also because of people fleeing new york city that that housing costs for people that just need a place to live have gone crazy well that's not the first time it's happened multiple times in the last couple generations but the truth is the truth is there are many people doing many things that work to enable places to live for people using mostly government uh, grants and 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 programs but also just ingenuity and thoughtfulness and private effort. And one of those people is Rose Noonan, who directs the Housing Action Council in Westchester County. And and it's it's a regional reason sorry a regional not for profit organization that actually uh, basically works with human service organizations, civic groups, religious groups, any number of people, and even for profit developers that that cre- use housing to allow people that normally couldn't afford to live in places like Westchester County um, to have, find a place to live. So, Rose, thank you so much for being part of Homepage Radio. Okay, thank you for having me. I hope you can hear me. I know there's a little bit of, uh, little bit of uh, dissonance in the line. Is this okay for you? Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you, yes. That's good. Well, Rose, you've done this for a long time. Could you just, and it's complicated, I know, but for the person that doesn't know that there are people like you in the world, tell us uh, how you navigate the huge complexity of creating, finding, and making places for people to live in, in suburban New York. How, how does that, how, how do you do that? Um, I think you're, you're definitely correct when you use the word complex. Um, we uh we do try to navigate it in in a number of ways um in terms of direct services to um people of modest income who are interested in being home buyers by having them prepared fully prepared to mm. be home ownership home owners through through counseling through 
helping with budgeting, helping them through the even more complex mortgage approval process so that they're, they're ready and able when an opportunity becomes available. Um, and we also uh, develop affordable homes, both re- rental and home ownership, uh, in the region. And those provide additional opportunities in addition to those that are already on, on the market. And uh, we are always uh, looking to, to partner with other agencies so that we can continue to expand the, the available units that, that are around in our New York metropolitan area. What's really interesting to me, because I think it's at least, you can tell me if I'm wrong, maybe even 20 years old, there was a, 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 a court order that, that really mandated desegregation in Westchester County, a really landmark, amazing uh, social program Uh, I wouldn't call it a program, but a social mandate to allow for um, desegregated housing in Westchester County. Could you just tell us how that happened, how that played out and what role you, you played in, in fulfilling the court's mandate? Okay. Uh, Yes. um, As as you know, I was very involved in, in helping Westchester County Mm. um, to, um, to implement the, the settlement order, which required uh, Westchester County to facilitate the development of affordable housing in communities that um, had a small percentage of ethnic uh, and uh, racial minorities. Um, and th- those are communities, some of which were in southern Westchester, some of, some of which were in north- northern Westchester. Uh, and... Uh, through, through a variety of ways, um, the county did accomplish uh, what they were required to do under the settlement mm. um, by working closely with municipalities, who um, many of whom have modified their zoning codes in order to require that when a, for, when a market rate development is developed, a number or percentage of those units must be affordable. And mm. in this boom right now, um, we are uh, seeing quite a few affordable units in these private private developments. And then um, also, you know, through, through funding, through mm. funding that the county provided to developers to look for sites and to create the infrastructure, particularly addressing public water and sewer, and, um, and also covering construction costs. And, and directed funding primarily to those communities which were in, impacted by the housing desegregation settlement. Yeah, it was an enormous effort resulting in thousands and thousands of places for people to live. In, in doing your work and that work, I'd be, and I've never asked you this question, you and I've worked together for, for 30 years, what percentage of what you do is, is directed towards rental uh, units and Owner and home ownership units. Is there a ratio, or is there even your sense of where you're most useful? Where where I'm most useful? Yeah, for either question? creating the units to rent or creating units to buy. Well, you know, it, it depends on the times. I would say, ah. in terms of uh, you know what 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 we are focused on um, and what others are focused on. Um, it, you know the the demand is is currently much greater for 
for rental housing ah. than than uh, affordable home ownership housing. But um, it's also um, what developers are able or willing to develop at this point in, in time. You know, bank funds for developing home ownership didn't dry up, but they're they're harder to access construction financing mm. in a in a home ownership deal than in a in a rental deal right right now. Um, but in in terms of the need, um, it's people at sort of the the lower end of those who need to be affordable ha- mm. need affordable housing, and that focuses you more on looking at rental housing as as uh, as opportunities. Um, in terms of the, just back to the housing desegregation settle, settlement, um, I would say there was a, a, a split of about, about um, 60% of those units that the county facilitated were rental and about mm. 40% home ownership. Um, but all have been built and, and all are occupied. That's amazing. It's amazing. And it took, am I right, did it take two decades? Uh, it felt like it, but it, uh, it 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 took less less than a decade. Oh, really? Wow, that surprises yeah, it me. It was um, under the uh, settlement order. It was seven years was the requirement. Wow, but it it need, it was extended a, a year year or two, and it was just just within the past couple of months that the court signed off and said that the county completely. Okay. Uh, fulfilled the terms of the settlement order. Now, besides doing all this, you're a lawyer too, and and I I, I really have a question for you. It, it, we're in, you know I'm speaking from Connecticut, which is 173 little towns. There are no counties like you have in Westchester, and they're all grappling with housing issues of 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 one type or another. And there's not this centralized push that you you deal with every day in terms of a county uh, dealing directly with the state that deals with the federal government for funding. Do you think? Do you think that just and this is anecdotal and it's completely not. I'm not asking you to make a prediction, but do you think Connecticut's going to end up going through the change that Westchester did in terms of having to confront uh, its housing history, or do you think it's just going to go on the way it has in the past? Oh. Well, you know, sometimes now we're looking looking to Connecticut and the state laws that have come into effect as possible models for, for New York State. So oh. In some cases, uh, Connecticut is seen to be, to be ahead of where some of our, 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 our uh, laws, and, laws and regulations are in, in, in New York State. But, you know, in terms of my work with Housing Action Council, it's always been on a municipal level, not although the county was there to provide funding which is extremely helpful. It was always town by town, village okay. by village. You know, since we do have home rule here, and um, it's 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 at that local level where I think you get the buy-in and, mm. and the support. Um, and in a, in a place like Connecticut, I think the funding is going to depend on the primarily on the uh, the the, um, the state and and the feds. Yeah. And you know we're we're watching carefully what's happening at the federal level right now. Uh, we uh, we think that a lot of the uh, the funding that comes um, under the, the American Rescue Plan will can and will be used for housing infrastructure, mm. and that that would be in a way a blessing to to m- many of the uh, the initiatives that we're trying to get off the ground. 
in in the region and uh um you know Connecticut I'm sure is looking at that also. Yeah. Now it's great you've been on and thank you so much. I'm going to I'm going to give you one last question which I know is impossible to answer but I'm going to ask you to answer it. What do you see as the future of this disconnect between people living in a place they can't afford it to live in and needing the non-market rate solutions to make things happen. What do you think the future of that is? Yeah, you're right. I, I can't, I can't answer it. And, and it, it scares me since, since there's such a big disconnect between mm. what people can afford and what's possible to, to build. Um, and I think all of us of those who are, you know, invested in in many different ways in this field, have to come up with with new initiatives or new priorities, mm. um, priorities of where funding goes, um, priorities in in in, in sort of let, letting try and let go of the past in terms of some of our zoning, and, th- and thinking creatively because I, it's not just a problem for those who can't afford it. It's an overall economic problem for yeah. for the region and for the country. Um, and I think we need to set our mind on, on doing things differently than we did in the past. Now, I can't exactly tell you what those are, <laughs> but we need, to, we, need, we need to start thinking out of the box a lot and collectively. Rose, it's great that you contributed the time to this, and I really look forward to working with you and many new projects that you and I have worked on for several <laughs> decades. So thank you so much for all that you do, and thanks for being on Homepage Radio. Okay, thank you. Bye. When we come back, we'll be talking to one of the great heroes of, I would say, affordable home development that I know. It happens to be in New Haven. It happens to be Habitat for Humanity of Greater New Haven. And we'll be talking to Bill Casey when we come back on Homepage Radio. Well, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Dua Dickinson. I'm an architect. I write some. I also do a lot of work in uh, the field of, I guess it's called architecture, but it's really figuring stuff out, design, not for professional interests of making money, but actually to use what I've been given to actually help make places for people that cannot afford to own anything, let alone hire an architect. So in doing that over the years, um, this show uh, is featuring several people I've worked with over the years that actually have said, you know, housing is for everyone. It's not for those that can afford it because we all live somewhere. And those people who can't afford the inflated rates during a boom are often left out in the cold in a bus too because there's no money to facilitate giving or helping people to find a place to live then either. So in thinking about things like that, homepage radio is a little bit different. And I would encourage everybody who's listening to this program to go to the WPKN website and just take a look at the things that PKN does and take a look at the new studio that we're going to be moving to. This may be the last radio show, homepage radio show, that comes from the original studios of WPKN. We don't know yet, but I'll let you know in a month. But in doing that and looking at that website, things like Homepage Radio and all the incredible programming in WPKN only exist because people like you 
think there's something to invest in here, whether it's your service or money or whatever, you, your involvement in WPKN, community-based radio, that keeps this place going. So having said that, uh, I'm going to introduce you to somebody who I honestly feel, and, and Bill, don't yell at me, I honestly feel is a hero. I actually think that Bill Casey, we all live our lives to what we think is important. And what Bill Casey has done is lived his life in a way that there are 136 families that have a place to live now uh, that maybe not would not have had all of them had a place to own and live in. Because Bill Casey is director of Habitat for Humanity of Greater New Haven. And he's been working in this since 1977, not Habitat, but different things, including the Maverick Corporation, the Hartford Architecture Conservancy. But he joined Habitat around when I was on the board of Habitat in 1995 and then really became the executive director in 2004. And Bill, am I right? The 136 separate buildings that you've either renovated or built new, that represents... Are you the are you the largest home ownership developer in New Haven? That that's our claim, and no one has disputed it yet. So we're going to stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, uh, Duo? Thank you so much for having us on today. It's great. Thank you. Well, I will tell you that the work that Habitat does in the country and the world is extraordinary. But I think in a city like New Haven, which has so many gifts and is a in a way an expense super expensive little city based on home ownership because condos are, are tough to, to, to sell and rentals are extremely <laughs> expensive right now in New Haven. Um, you at Habitat create something which I think is a unique product. And, you know, we all have heard the name Habitat, but pretend people haven't heard. Just tell us about Habitat for Humanity and also Habitat for Humanity in New Haven. Just tell us about the, how the organization works and who does the work and how the money is raised and, and just lead us through what Habitat is in New Haven. Sure. Uh, we try to keep it fairly simple. Habitat in New Haven has been here since 1986. Uh, we're an independent affiliate of Habitat International. We're allowed to fundraise and build uh, whatever in whatever way works for our geographic area. And to build our homes, we use uh, donations from grants, individuals, sponsorships uh, from institutions, corporations, community builds. And also uh, in-kind um, donations, which, as Duo mentioned, is such as the architectural plans that Duo has been doing for us for the last almost 30 years <laughs> uh, for free. And um, so we really appreciate that. Duo has been a great partnership. <laughs> and like we talked about, we, uh, we, built, uh, we built 136 homes, and we're in a unique situation where we can actually make that work uh, in a way, in, in New Haven, where private development is very difficult to, to build a single-family home and make it work um, in New Haven. Uh, and the way we do that is not only through the donations, but primarily also through our volunteer labor. And we have a professional construction staff that supervises uh, our volunteers. We have uh, professionals, of course, to do the uh, foundation, the electrical, the plumbing, uh, the mm. mechanical trades. Mm. And basically what Habitat is, it's modeled on the old-fashioned barn raising. It's just neighbors helping neighbors. It's that simple. Um, and so we have a, you know volunteers from all over the areas coming to work with our families uh, to help them, help them to build their own homes. And our geographic area is all of New Haven County plus the towns of Clinton and Killingworth. Um, although New Haven is our base, 
Mm. We've built several homes in Hamden and and also in uh, Wallingford. And we also have a restore in uh, Wallingford that we take donated materials, uh, household goods, furniture, uh, tools, that kind of stuff, and uh, use the the sales proceeds to help fund our homes uh, here in New Haven. If they wanted to get, if if the people listening wanted to contribute stuff to the restore, what does the restore accept, and how do they get stuff to him to them? Sure, uh, you can go on our website, and it'll uh, clarify all that for you. But um, we take we take lightly used furniture, uh, household goods, um, things like that. We can't take anything that's hazardous or anything that had. Uh, fuel in it, uh, but for the most part, just about um, anything you can think of, we we can uh, mm. we can take. It's an interesting store. They have a pretty eclectic uh, supply of uh, merchandise on hand, so people can go there and buy things too. Oh, absolutely! That's the whole point. Yes, we want customers to show up and actually buy the buy the uh, donated um, uh, materials and and furniture. It's it's really uh, you can get some super bargains there. I mean, some of the furniture pieces that are donated are just unbelievably nice and uh, that they're all hmm. sold at a discounted rate. So it's a good deal for all. And that's and that's in Wallingford? That's on 286 South Colony Road in Wallingford, yep. Oh, that's good. Now, now yep. that's all the nut, meat and potatoes, I get it. But what I, 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 and I remember going through this 25 years ago, or more actually, there is a reality that you could build anything anywhere and, and you, could, you could go to a, a bare naked lot of a, of a Grayfields um, redevelopment site and drop a house in that and have nothing around you. And people might initially own the property because all Habitat homes are owned by the people that, that, that are living there. Correct. Um, but there's no neighborhood and there's a lot of danger and there's also a lot of risk. And Habitat for Humanity Greater New Haven goes beyond simply making places they also make neighborhoods so tell us about some of the neighborhoods you've helped create and how you helped create them because this is an extraordinary success story way beyond i think the 136 individual families it's all the other families that live in the neighborhoods habitat has helped to stabilize and and create sure um so you know we what we do is we're very very big on uh, on self-reliance for our families what we do is help them build their own homes uh, but we try to put them in a position where they have the best chance for success. And we have a philosophy about property acquisition. And that is we'll buy the one bad house on an otherwise good block or mm-hmm. vacant lot, whatever it is. Or if it's the entire block is blighted, we try to buy as many of those po- uh, properties as possible to get as many habitat homeowners on that block so they can uh, support each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's worked really well. I can give you an example. We did a, a, a block on Vernon Street, which is very close to Yale New Haven Hospital. And when we first started on that street, it was nothing but abandoned homes, pretty much. There was a, maybe two or three homes that were still occupied. And when we started acquiring properties and building there, the families we were selecting, um, that was the last place on the list they wanted. Mm. And we ended up building nine new homes uh, on that block through the years. And when we got toward the end, after we got about four or five down, that went from uh, from number number zero to number one on the list of wow. um, properties that they wanted, and it really transformed that whole block. And also, you get the spinoff effect of folks that had homes on that 
uh, block when everything's blighted and abandoned, mm. you you don't have an incentive to fix your property up. But when you see everything happening, then they also got motivated to uh, take care of their property, and it really just rejuvenated the whole block. So that was a great success story. That's really uh, great to see. And but in a weird all, free that, market, that all depends on our families too. They're yeah. they're great folks. I mean, they work really hard. Um, and I think since they have to, you know, work alongside our volunteers and build their own home, they're emotionally invested in, in the house. Mm. And it doesn't become just a house. It's a home after that. Well, tell, tell us about who comes to you. And I know that there's a wide variety, demographic variety of people that come to you to actually participate in building their own home. Tell us about the typical Habitat home owner. And tell us about your, sure the way you... typical. I know. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the atypical Habitat <laughs> But, uh, yeah, our, our, we have a selection process that's very difficult for our owners to get through. Um, for instance, last selection um, round, we had over 180 families that showed up. We wow. were going to select nine of them. Wow. And so we have a volunteer family selection committee that goes through the process. It usually takes three to four months. It's pr- months to complete. It's pretty intense. Um, and the, the reason our families are chosen are based on three criteria. They have to have a need for housing, which is substandard housing, uh, or their, their place is too small, it's a high crime area, things like that. Second requirement is that um, they be in the right income. We only serve uh, families that are in the 30 to 60% of the area median income, mm. which means for this area, it's a family of four can't make more than $60,000 a year. And so we're the only nonprofit home builder that is, is dealing with that particular uh, income group. And also, mm. on top of that, they have to have good credit, which is really a hard thing to pull yep. off when you have a family of four and you're not making a lot of money. Um, and finally, they have to have a demonstrated ability to pay because we do um, have a mortgage associated with it. And finally, the last thing is that we have, you have to have a willingness to partner, which means put in 400 hours, mm. um, pay the mortgage, which is 25 years, 0% interest mortgage. There's no down payment. We sell our homes for... 95000 so the monthly mortgage payment's only about $330 a month. Wow. But since we hold the mortgage, we're very aware of when people miss, and that's, that, is, that does not happen very often at all. Our homeowners have been pretty, pretty much right on the ball the uh, entire time here. But and that, and great, also they great they, hardworking families. They just they just don't have enough to right. uh, don't make enough to get a conventional mortgage. And as Rose Nuno was saying, you have to you have to take people that have never owned a home, and you have yes. to sort of let them know about taxes and utilities oh, and maintenance yeah. and all of that. Yeah, sometimes it's generational. That you know they've never they don't know anybody in their in the family in the past that that lived in their own homes. Then all rentals mm-hmm. all the way down the line. So it's a very new experience and something you got to be aware of that. You just can't assume they know about, you know, all the pitfalls of home ownership because it's not always the American dream. It's there's a lot of work involved in owning your own home. So tell us about what are you thinking? What is the direction? Where do you think Habitat in New Haven is going to go? Where do you think they're going to change, or how will your how will your mission evolve in this next decade? Yeah, we've been talking about that lately. You know, not just due to the pandemic and the rise in material costs, which you know we took a big hit on that, but it is what it is. Um, but the the latest thing now is because of the real estate boom, we have you know the property values uh, have skyrocketed in 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 New Haven, and that really limits our ability to buy property at an affordable rate so we don't because we can't pass that on to our homeowners and so we've got we've got mega landlords coming in from out of town buying yep. properties at really inflated rates that we can't we can't really compete with and so i think what we're going to have to do is really just downshift and look at our our model 
keep our base in New Haven, but start looking at um, the surrounding towns, which also have a mm. you know, critical need for affordable housing, and, and start uh, looking to emphasize in that area, too, which, again, will bring its own set of challenges. Well, if somebody's listening to this, they say, man, this sounds really great. Tell us how they could contact Habitat of New Haven. Sure. It, and it is really great. I have to tell you, it's amazing to see the, the volunteers that we have for 20 years coming and to work alongside the families that we have. It's, it's just, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. But to contact us, you can, you can uh, visit our website, HabitatGNH, for greaternewhaven.org. And you can volunteer if you'd like to donate uh, funds. That would be great. You can donate furniture to our restore. We also have a Cars for Home program where you can donate unwanted vehicles. Um, and again, just please visit our restore. Just check it out and uh, see if well, you find something I, interesting. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Bill Casey, you are one of my personal heroes. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you, Duo, for everything you do for us. We do appreciate it. Well, when we come back, it's not just New Haven that's got interesting people or Westchester County. It's also Bridgeport. And one of the, one of the great, I think, uh, pillars of trying to make uh, Bridgeport a, and also around Bridgeport, a, a, a humane, good place to live is Steve Grathwall. And when we come back, we'll be talking to him about what he's doing in and around this radio station itself. So this is Duo Dickinson at Homepage Radio on WPKN. Hey, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson, and every month on WPKN 89.5 on your FM dial and live streaming by millions of people all across the world uh, is the radio station that the New Yorker declared to be the... Oh, oh Rod, you're going to have to help me. It declared to be the greatest radio station in the world? Uh, pretty much. There you go. There you go. So you're listening to the greatest radio station in the world right now, despite my presence, which is a real gift to me. And I, I appreciate the faith that WPKN has for me and homepage radio to come in once a month and talk about places where people live. And it's not just about DIY things or decoration or oh, what solar panels can do for your home. What it is also about is the essential reality that every single human being has a place to live. Every single human being rests their head somewhere under a bridge at the backseat of, of a car or in their mom's basement or in a McMansion in Fairfield County somewhere. A, a person that is, I think, acutely aware of the extreme and really almost unspeakable diversity and, and distinction between those who live within seconds of each other here in Fairfield County is Steve Grathwall. Steve, welcome to Homepage Radio. Hi, Duo. How are you? Well, Steve is a real estate consultant providing asset management and property management services. Um, and he's worked on behalf of affordable housing since the 70s. And um, he's, the, he's the, currently the chair of the board of the Bridgeport Neighborhoods Together group to, and also chair of the Affordable Housing Committee for the town of Fairfield. So he has truly walked the talk of making places for people to live in an extraordinarily expensive place to live. So 
so without further ado, Steve, could you just tell us about building neighborhoods together and and how people can get involved in that? So t- tell us about that organization and, and what you do. Excuse me. Um, so thank you, Duo. Um, so BNT uh, started out in 1986 as uh, Bridgeport Neighborhood Trust and has recently um, uh, changed its name to Building Neighborhoods Together because it more aptly describes our current mission, uh, which is to end housing insecurity, uh, income inequality, and homelessness. And uh, a B&T provides affordable housing. They build it. They renovate it. Uh, they manage affordable housing. Um, currently, only just in Bridgeport. Mm. Um, we've got about uh, a little over 20 buildings, 250 units. Wow. Uh, but there are, are two other parts of, of what B&T does that uh, are very critically important, but don't get sort of as much... Um, Right up, and, and that is that uh, we have a very strong, very active housing counseling service, which is called ERA, Empowerment Resource Academy, which provides um, people with um, rental counseling, eviction prevention, foreclosure prevention, uh, first-time homeowner education, um, and uh, as I said, they've been very active and even more active be uh, in the time of COVID mm. because of the families that need help gaining more rental assistance or preventing foreclosures. Mm. Um, so they've been very, very active in the test in the excuse me in the toughest of environments. I'm assuming you guys have a website. People have wanted to see it. They could go take a look and see what you guys are doing. Yes, uh, BNT Web. Web.net, Very cool. Now, what I find really fascinating about what you do is that not only are you working in Bridgeport, but, you, but you're working also with the town of Fairfield, you know, two places that are literally adjacent to each other and with very different demographics and very different missions. Tell us how a town like Fairfield addresses really the exact same problem with a totally different infrastructure and 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 demographic um, first of all in bridgeport uh, you have what are called naturally occurring affordable housing mm. and so in many places in bridgeport the affordable rents under the subsidy programs are just about the same as the market rents in the neighborhood mm. in fairfield it's a totally different world. Fairfield, first of all, is you know eighty-five percent single-family homes. Right. Uh, the median price of a single-family home is seven hundred and fifty thousand or so. Wow. And uh, the difference between a, an assisted rent and a market rent can be a thousand dollars a month. Wow. And so it, it's a dramatic uh, difference just by driving one mile west it's amazing yeah it's amazing and and mm-hmm. so tell me about the projects you'd mentioned that you have two over 200 rental units for bnt tell us about the projects that you're facilitating uh or creating or have created in fairfield um in fairfield um well so the state of connecticut you know passed the 830g uh law um in the 80s um which 
was supposed to facilitate affordable housing throughout uh, those uh, towns outside of the the major cities. Mm. And uh, Fairfield has probably received more 830G applications than any other town in Connecticut mm. by far. Wow. And and because of it, it's a combination of it's a great town, has great schools, and has great infrastructure. Two colleges, gorgeous beaches, three train stations, major highways. And, and so who wouldn't want to live here? Um, financing for rental uh, for apartments is easy, easier to get these days. And so um, people in the private sector um, will focus on Fairfield when they can. Mm. But land is scarce. Land is expensive. Mm. Well, you know, you're in this really interesting place where not unlike me you're you're not you're not young <laughs> you've been around it's been yep. you know 30 40 years that we've seen uh this uh, we've been both deeply well everybody on this show has been deeply involved with the incredible variety and unpredictability and volubility of this uh housing world here in what I would call greater suburban New York, this this large area of density that is around us. Do you have any insights into the specific problems and opportunities of this boom? And I would actually flip it too, because it's going to go away. What are, the, what are the specific problems and opportunities of a bust? Because we all know that when when things get played out, this this time of extreme costs and instant purchases will fade and there'll be this new sense of desperation and uh, I've spent too much money and I'll never get my money out of this. So tell us about booms and busts and, and how, what happens in your world of creating places for people to live. Uh, first, to, to sort of date myself, um, you know, I started in the 70s in Westchester and Westchester had a problem that we all have today. You know, they've expensive housing. They had a need for local affordable housing, but the uh, administrators and elected officials didn't want to recognize that. So fast forward, uh, you know, 25 years ago, I, I came to Fairfield. Fairfield had the same problem. Fairfield did an affordable housing plan back then. Uh, we updated the affordable housing plan five years ago. And what do you know? Exactly the same problems. Mm. They've gotten worse. Mm. So in today's environment, uh, first, I'm afraid that the, the increase in velocity of housing purchases, the increase in cost, are going to affect those naturally occurring affordable units. It can even affect Bridgeport. But mm. places like Stratford or Fairfield... Uh, the the cheaper units are going to become not so cheap as mm. we move along. Um, I have a an overarching concern about interest rates, dual that if they tick up, you know, current rates are two and a half, three yeah. percent. If they jump back to even what they were when I bought my house thirty years ago at eight percent, that will have a big, very bad you know, very bad effect. Mm. And 
that's got to happen at some point. You know, it, it won't yeah. maybe go to eight, but it might go to five, and that will have the same kind of adverse effect. Amazing. And and coupled all with that is that there's a ton of money out there. Investment funds have pension dollars, my 401k, um, and they need a place to invest it. And so they're, they'll look at uh, a plot of land or an apartment building Fairfield County, and they can see where well, they will get their returns safely in this environment. And so they will pay another 2% or 6% for that development. Yeah. And that just continues to ratchet up the unaffordability. Well, in all of this, what do you see? I asked I asked everybody the same question, and, and they all came up with the same answer that they can't possibly know. But what do you see as the future of the work you're doing? Where do you see the trend going? Um, first of all, I agree with them. <laughs> can't possibly know. <laughs> Secondly, if I did know, I'd probably be down on Wall Street betting on the future. <laughs> you know. uh, but um, I think it's safe to say that the need won't go away. It'll get yeah. greater. And so that will uh, lead us to hopefully some more innovative uh, types of housing. Uh, recently, Connecticut passed uh, legislation regarding assisted dwelling units. Mm. Fairfield passed that a couple of years ago. Mm. And uh, that can help. It's nibbling on the margins, but, you know, it's better to light one candle than curse the darkness. <laughs> um, and, the and other it, thing, yes. I'm sorry, the other thing I was going to say is that that, that missing middle housing they, they talk mm. about, the, the two units, three units, four units, um, some of which... Uh, an architect I know by the name of Duo Dickinson has some really good designs <laughs> for it. And so I can see that happening as well. Well, pulling back for this last minute, um, I am, I'm struck with the fact that this may be a unique part of the world in terms of the extreme disparities of income and cost. Uh, am I right? Um, I think it's not 100% unique, but it's only shared by three or four other areas surrounding major cities in the country that I know of. Yeah. And, and I would say that the need is so basic that there will always be a need for the Steve Grothwalls of the world, don't you think? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, people that do this kind of uh, volunteering, they don't get paid for it. No. And yet they spend a lot of time, a lot of nights, um, and they do it because, you know, it's, it's part of their heart and soul. They see a need, they think they can help, mm. and they want to do what they can do. Well, you do a lot, Steve, and I really appreciate everything you've done and the, what everybody's done on this program. So thank you so much for joining us on Homepage Radio today. Thank you, Duo. Well, this is Homepage Radio. My name is Dua Dickinson. This is WPKN, one of the great places in America to share information and also the joys of music, but also just to be humans together. And the one thing that I think a program that is essentially about housing for all should make you think about is that there really is no difference between you and the person who is living under a bridge right now. 
that where you are is where they are. You're just living in a different place right now. And those different places are not things that separate us. Those different places, because they're all of essential and fundamental and crucial need for every single person, unites us. We are one human race, and we need a place to live. And in needing a place to live, other humans, who are the same as the people they're helping, can give them hope in a time when maybe we see more differences and more insanity of cost than we're used to. So here at WPKN, I hope that you'll think about where you, where you are, go to the website, see WPKN, and I hope you'll come back next month to listen to Homepage Radio.